welcome. It is time for the Outpouring Fellowship Podcast. I'm Matthew Patton, and riding shotgun with me is my good friend Caleb Meal. Shalom, shalom, everyone. We are talking about deliverance in the Ecclesia again. We're going to be continuing this one for a while because there's a lot to talk about. Because, and, you know, because the Holy Spirit is very much available and wants to partner with us to set us free. Amen. So we're going to find out one way in which, one tool set, if you will, one model we can adjust to make it make sense in the context of a home fellowship, in the context of an ecclesia. Because, and I think it this sort of thing will sort of happen naturally in a lot of ways for mm. many of us because it's so I mean it should be second nature and we sh- like we don't need to fear the enemy not in many mm-hmm. years do we need to fear the enemy absolutely like, not it's not he's not that big he's just not and when we get stuck in thinking that he is, that's when we wind up wussing out. Yeah. we. I think we tend to give the enemy too much credit, don't we? We um, absolutely do. Um, but bef- before we continue that thought, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Yes. Uh, for those of you who are watching on Rumble or YouTube, thank you very much. Please let us know in the comments what you think. Well, Please. Any questions, hit us Hit us via email, outpouring under, underscore fellowship at proton.me, calebmeal at outlook.com, or, you know, find us on social media, true social, at calebmeal, at tech underscore freedom, on Instagram, at caleb underscore meal, on Telegram, at Matthew76. You know, you guys know the stuff. If you've been watching <laughs> or listening for a while, you know where to find us so find us talk to us we don't bite we promise well i can't uh, speak for matt but i can't but i but i don't <laughs> <laughs> um and you know you can watch it anytime on those platforms or you can listen um in the in the pre-roll today uh today i actually mentioned how we just moved from Spreaker over to Acast for the podcast hosting. And I don't know about you, Caleb, but I, I really like Acast. Um, and honestly, it's it, it has been helpful. I mean, I have you have done more research than I have. And which, uh, um, by the way, which everybody, I really appreciate what Matt has put in all the hard work of trying to make this... Um, available and more easy for us to work with but also available to you for guys for access wise and how to and how to uh listen to it especially how to work and how he's done it on rumble and using adcast so i i have a huge appreciate uh i just greatly appreciate matt for what he's worked with well thank you caleb (laughs) um but yeah so and of course the music is indie folk background by kale productions um if and again, if you're watching, uh, throw us a like, subscribe if you haven't already, and tell your friends. Tell your friends about it. Um, anyway, so let's get into the meat of the of the discussion, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've, we're talking about deliverance and inner healing. Some and you know some people don't put much stock in those things, and perhaps it's because they don't think that the demonic is really a thing, mm-hmm. or yep. perhaps they don't put much stock in emotion. That's you know that's another enlightenment thing. Uh, but the reality is, God gave us our emotions. Mm-hmm. It and they help to color our lives now sometimes that color is gray but (laughs) 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 but it helps to color our lives it can add 
contrast. It can add beauty. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to be controlled by them. And yeah, that's the, other, that's the other thing. Even though God gave us the emotion, we tend to fall into that trap of emotion. And the Lord says, I've given you these emotions. Now use it for me. Use them the right way. Use them in a, in a, in a pure, holy, and righteous way. And we, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the other direction, but just moving on. Yes, absolutely. Uh, emotions out of the because emotions can uh, be chaotic, mm -hmm. and through the chaos, chaos, God creates something beautiful. And it can also be used by the enemy. It often is. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, you look at. I I hate to harp on the other political side, but they have a tendency to be all about outrage don't they oh no kidding and and no reason at all <laughs> and you know we've been the 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 powers that be have tried to rework us that way too mm -hmm. haven't they like it's it's become a really nasty thing and we have to be careful to not just get caught up in the news cycle in in the latest outrage cycle mm -hmm. right right they they gin it up because they know if they've got us over something, we're not thinking, mm -hmm. right? And God gave us these beautiful things between our ears. <laughs> not just the thing that's beaten in our chest, right? Or in a more Hebrew worldview, that, that thing in our gut. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and also an example that Jesus did, because he was being accused of things of, that were false. Mm -hmm. And he said nothing. He only spoke when he needed to. But most of the time, he stayed silent. And I think we could, you know, that verse, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And sometimes we need to, it, we tend to react in our, in our, our mouths because we want, we want to either whether defend or really try to um, help explain. But sometimes there are times that it just, there's a time to speak and there's a time to just shut up. <laughs> there sure is. Because sometimes when we have when we have when we be quiet, then the other person can hear themselves talk and see. Okay, maybe that maybe that sounded insane. Maybe that didn't sound right. So they can hear themselves speak, and, and instead of always hearing an argument. That's what I've learned. That's what I've learned when uh, when it comes to you know. Sometimes it's just best to just look, let them speak and then hear them hear their own insanity. You know. Uh huh. Because it it takes it takes wisdom. To mm -hmm. have that restraint, to, uh -huh. to understand that we can simply respond to things, not react all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes the reaction is necessary in a life and death situation, but most of the time, what we're dealing with isn't. Like, somebody says something we don't like, it's not a life or death situation, guys. <laughs> it's just not. Like we we need to settle down, simmer down now, right? Right, right. And take and a, a part and part of that is the the part of the deliverance healing is not just being delivered from whatever uh, issues that we deal with, but also being delivered from our human mindset of how we think we should be doing things. And that's the and that's the whole point of following uh, following Christ because He's trying to teach us a new way of living, living His way. And a lot of our ways, are, and again, our, our 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 ways are not his ways, but they should be. As in, we should be taking his ways and making them our ways. Um, it's a it's a it's a only hard process to um, to change because you know we've lived this way for so long. We don't know anything. Uh, we don't know anything different. And that's what exactly what the disciples went through. They were going through, they, you know, believing in this way. And Jesus, Jesus was constantly, constantly, constantly showing them different. Um, and especially when it came to emotions, but, um, you want to go that's further it. back than that. Even you yeah. get, uh, you look at the Exodus, the, the, the adult population in the Exodus, couldn't handle being free. I mean, think about how much they complained. Oh my gosh, it's Constantly. annoying. You want you wanted to slap you wanted to slap them silly for all the complaining they did. But how different are we? Like, right? 
We're not. Like, we we can't pretend that we are really that much better because we're not. <laughs> like it's sad, but it's true. Like we we can't. We just can't because and part of it is that we've been taught that bigger emotion means more right. No, that just means you had a bigger emotion. <laughs> like, are are we adults or are we toddlers? We we should be adults. <laughs> but the way that often these oppressions manifest is through these Ooh. overblown reactions to things hmm. that we've been taught through education, through media, through basically everything in our culture. Starting is, from childhood, uh, and of course, starting from childhood up, yeah. Because we need, to, we need to pay attention to our feelings, and our feelings matter. Well, they do, to a certain extent. To a, yeah. to a certain extent. Yes. Not just across the board, people. <laughs> like... Your emotions can't, you know, beat facts. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, by, not for a million years it, it, um, and we need we need to readjust we need to re well rethink things don't we and sometimes that's hard to do because bad things happened when we were kids mm -hmm. or you know six months ago that created a trigger in us Mm -hmm. So when something similar happens again, we just explode. And everybody around us is like, what happened? How? Why? What? What is this? Yeah. I can definitely speak from experience in the sense of, I'll remember what I did some, did as a child. And, and these are just like, you know, um, silly examples. But, you know, you know those moments where you know you did something stupid and you just cringe? Why did I do that back then? You know, it, it, and but something in my in my life will trigger that memory, and it will reflect on my you know past mistakes. And I'm like, Man, why did I do that back then? And and again, the enemy likes to use that to make you know really put you down. Just the little thing, little mistakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, you know, like what is the matter with you? You know, just browsing, <laughs> right? Exactly. And, and you know, in. I don't want to jump ahead too far here, but when we're in the context of small groups, mm -hmm. when we're in the context of Ecclesia, and we've established relationship with one another and trust with one another, and it starts with trusting the Holy Spirit in the other person, not just, well, you have a trustworthy face, because Okay. But then when something happens and somebody gets triggered, we can okay, let's let's de-escalate the situation. Let's take a look at what just happened. Why did that just happen for you? And then we go into something like the two hands model. Hmm. So, let's let's lay out what the two hands model is yes um so i let me let me be clear about what it is what it isn't where who developed who developed it and where um i would not be aware of this if it weren't for uh one of my professors here at fuller um he and his wife have spent many years something like 30 some odd years in southeast asia working in working in predominantly muslim contexts so this was developed to as as an evangelistic tool in closed country contexts contexts and so in majority world contexts in Islam, in most other folk religion areas, there are 
there are beliefs about your hands. The right hand, or sorry, the right hand is the hand of blessing. The hand of helping, the hand of healing. The, the left hand is cursing, is dirty, is it's what you use to wipe yourself. <laughs> With the left hand, right? And so based on that idea, we have the two hands model. Where the right hand and each finger has a certain thing that you that you pray through on each hand. On the right hand, you've got remembrance. So you go back and you rem you remember whatever it is in your life that triggered this reaction in you. Mm -hmm. Usually it's gonna be in your childhood. And that's where the inner healing part comes in, right? And, and then once you remember, you invite the Lord into that memory. And then you wait. And you wait until you see and or hear the Lord in that moment where that trauma happened, where that horrible thing happened that scarred you for the rest of your life, that just triggered this reaction in you. And then once, once the person sees or, and or hears the Lord in that situation, they're able to go, they're able to release that pain to him and forgive the person, forgive themselves if it was something they did. Usually it's not. Um, and then once that forgiveness starts to happen, they can release the pain to the Lord. So that's the right hand. The left hand, you're dealing with breaking curses. You're dealing with um, breaking uh, breaking covenants, breaking, uh, and we'll explain this stuff. Don't worry, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, breaking curses, breaking covenants, breaking um, those words that we speak over ourselves those agreements that we make whether consciously with something else or just in ourselves I'll never be like so and so right or if the or if the situation was that somebody spoke something negative over you you know you'll never amount to anything that sort of thing or in I'll give you an example from my own life I used to believe that I couldn't speak publicly. And gee, now I'm doing podcasts. <laughs> I, I, I'd have to be in the same boat with you, Matt, because I thought, no, me speaking, I stutter, I do all this, and before you know it, um, I'm giving these some some sermons uh, that I've done in the, pa in the past and now doing this. And, or better yet, giving um, a pep talk in for one of my meetings at work, you know, maybe, uh, but I'm like, no, that wouldn't be, but no, yeah. No <laughs> Got to prove you different. No way, <laughs> no way. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not quick enough on my feet. That was something that I used to believe. But ultimately that, that slowness to react was, I believe it was actually a gift. It was, it was wisdom that the Lord formed in me mm. because that way I'm not just going to quip somebody to death if they say something nasty to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it might occur to me hours later, but I'm not going to tell them that because those things never de-escalate a situation. It's just going to cause more pain, more grief. It's not worth it, guys. It's just not. And we need to remember that. But okay. I digress. So, yeah, I used to believe that I couldn't speak hardly at all. Like, I actually went to um, a program when I was a kid. It used to be called Sunshine. 
And it was because I had a speech impediment. Mm. So that hung over my head until I was like 30. And then I started doing content creation for various business efforts. <laughs> like, a 180 you'd, there. <laughs> if you'd have told me 10 years ago, if you'd have told me 10 years ago that yep. I would be doing podcasts, that I'd be doing mm -hmm. live streams, I would have looked at you like you had 10 heads. Absolutely. Uh, like, uh, yeah. No way. Absolutely. No stinking way, man. I can't do that. But here we go. Here we are. Because I broke my agreement with that. Mm. Mm. I, I no longer believe that about myself. Because I can't. Mm. <laughs> it, and sometimes it's that simple. Um, and then there's also breaking soul ties. What's a soul tie? I found this interesting, yeah. So a soul tie is where you have created a link, an unhealthy, unholy link with somebody else. Whether a parent, whether a significant other, whether a, a good friend, or even somebody who hates you. Where they, their words over you still, their actions toward you still make you cringe. Make you... And those things need to be cut off because that's not healthy. That's not helpful. That's not good. That's actually destructive because it will limit your potential in business. It will limit your ability to relate with others on an even playing field. So that's what soul ties do. You And often it's formed in the context of a sexual relationship but it can just be like a parent who you know, didn't do anything hinky necessarily but you've put them basically when you when you create a soul tie with somebody you put them on a pedestal mm. you make them into an idol mm. and what they say about you what they act toward you how they act toward you becomes more important to you than what God says about you and how God acts toward you. That you basically make them God. Mm. That sounds good, yeah, it, doesn't it? And you can yeah, and you can do and you can even do that with friends without even realizing. I'm trying to think of examples of my life where um in college really that when um I, I would form these bonds with the guys uh, that we every time we would get together, we talk about what's going on. We talk about, but we, we we always love talking about what God's teaching us, what our experience with God. And then all of a sudden, my friends are turning away. They're turning away from him, and I'm like, "What happened?" And that and that and that bothered me. That about, I mean, like, you had such fire, you had such love for God, and then all of a sudden, you turned away from him. Mm-hmm. I mean, with all the knowledge that you've gained, and you just threw that away. And like, I there's one guy that I can that I remember from actually my youth group. He was a, he was a youth leader for a couple of years when I was in high school, um, and he he got really, really, really mad at God, like to the point where he went atheist, like militant atheist. Because, I mean, his life was had been brutal. He had yeah. been, I think he'd been abused and or neglected by either or both parents in at varying times. And he had juvenile onset diabetes. So he, he was kind of a mess. And it, I can't remember what the trigger event was for him, but about the time I started, I think it was right about the time I started college. He just decided, I've had enough of this God thing. And some of some of the guys that who he had influenced positively as a youth leader tried to bring him back in, tried to tried to 
keep relationship, tried to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, speak into him. He just wouldn't hear it. He had decided that because God didn't protect him when he needed it, because his life had be, had been so hard that God must not exist. Or if God does exist, I don't want to have anything to do with him because why have something to do with a God who doesn't care? Mm. Who doesn't act on my behalf? When I've been told, when I've been taught, when I've been telling other people that he does. That's a hard thing. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, a brutal thing. So, and I haven't talked to him in years, so I, I don't know where he's at now. Last I heard, he was in Hawaii and was still pretty mad. <laughs> a pretty big mad. Gotcha. Um, but it's an example of those soul ties that will, yeah, that it will affect you. And if we're not careful, we don't guard, then they, yeah, that'll be like a, like a, a domino effect hitting, hitting on you. And then, or better yet, make, if not, if not turning you away from God, but maybe making you bitter on some other things, you know, and I can, and I can confirm that as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'll get into that, but at least I'm not ready to open up about it, but, uh, I, I, I definitely can confirm that. Absolutely. It, it, it just affects us in so many ways that the enemy, that's all the enemy needs. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, if, if you are one who struggles with porn, and there's a particular type that just gets you. You've probably cr unconsciously created a soul tie with that genre. Oh, yeah. Possibly even a particular performer. Because... We're getting deep, guys. We're getting deep. Because in... As limited as the participation is with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's inherently limited because it's a simulation, right? It's images on a screen for most of us. And it's, it's easy to get sucked in. It's easy to go, well, this is all I can ever have. And then when you do actually have a relationship, when you do get married, that hangs over, for lack of a better way to put it. And it will color your relationship and your interactions, your intimacy with your wife, with your spouse. I speak from personal experience. Having things run in my head in intimate moments that don't have anything to do with, I'm actually, with what I'm actually doing in that moment. Thankfully, not currently, but it's been, a, it's been a thing in the past. And that's why it destroys. But I digress. <laughs> Back to the two hands model, right? Yeah. So let's, let's break down the right hand because that's, that's the good stuff, right? <laughs> um, so somebody gets triggered, has a big reaction to something that is unreasonable, that's irrational, right? So we, we slow down and we go, okay, what, what just happened? Number one, why, why? And if, if you are the person who triggered it, you should not be the person pushing. <laughs> that's, that's not gonna end well. Just being clear, okay? <laughs> but in in the context of the way that the model was designed, it's it's and it's not meant to be pre uh, used by a pastor necessarily. It could be anybody, and it doesn't even necessarily require a whole lot of discernment on the part of the person who's praying for the other person. 
And that's one of the things with these inner healing or deliverance models. It doesn't necessarily require. It helps a lot. But it doesn't necessarily require us to have that sort of uh, connection. Where Because ho hopefully we're, if we're using this model, they should already be opening up. Right? And, and it doesn't the model doesn't require the person being prayed for to even be a Christian. They yeah, true. Like, like I said, in the, off the top, it, it was meant to be almost an evangelistic tool. Right. Like, right. And there was a, it, <clears throat> they, they made a, a role play video with, to demonstrate it. And the, the person being prayed for was, just a neighbor was just a somebody who had a relationship with the person praying that's it it doesn't it like just be a decent human being that's that's kind of the bottom line with this like it doesn't take being some super christian some exorcist no 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 it doesn't take any special gifting. All of us can do this. Like, one thing that I'm actually writing a paper on right now is about how in the early in the early church, we're talking pre-Constantine, so before before the 300s, that old. Okay, it was believed that everybody should be able to exercise people or exercise demons out of people deliver them right and it doesn't it like like we've said the last couple of times it doesn't require us to have this knockdown drag out you know get the get the boxing gloves out with the demons no, no 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 we can shut them up first we can forbid them in the name of jesus mm -hmm. to make a fool of the person mm -hmm. now we may need to hear from them depending on the model we're using right but you don't have to fear them, and they don't no. have to have the ability no. to limit or destroy the dignity of the person that you were right. trying to help. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, Absolutely. like the big tent meetings, like we see with Benny Hinn, or um, you want to go further back, um, which you know our generation wouldn't be familiar with. <laughs> so I'm not going to bother. Uh, but there were big tent meetings where people would, where there would be like lines of people getting delivered and they would flop on the floor and scream and all this nonsense. It doesn't have to be that way. In fact, it probably shouldn't be, especially not in the context of an Ecclesia. Because that will, it may not be intentional on the part of those those of us who are trying to help but it will it that would color our relationship with the person being helped mm -hmm. because in ecclesia we're meant to be long-term in long-term relationships with people doing life that's what ecclesia is mm -hmm. it's doing life together with the lord So, and, you know, another thing that, that we really want to hit home for people is, number one, the Holy Spirit is very active mm -hmm. and wants to partner with us. So we have access to this power, to this authority yeah. to shut up demons, mm -hmm. to remove them from ourselves, from other people around us. And as they experience healing, as they experience freedom, that will change their lives. And then in Ecclesia, we can come around them and help, uh, come alongside them and help them 
understand what it is to be healthy, to understand what it is to be, uh, to walk in healing, to walk in freedom. To walk in his presence, because when we walk in his presence, we can walk in his healing, we can walk in his freedom. Okay, so the right hand. We, we gotta we get triggered right then we gotta mm-hmm. remember remember what it is that happened that triggered that created that trigger okay so we we go back in our in our memories we go back in our emotions and we go okay what happened then we then we invite the Lord into the into that moment into that time or times that created that trigger And we wait to see where he is. You know, if it was if it was a physical abuse, he was probably between you and your abuser. Taking it. Um, there have been times when I've gotten inner healing in the past where, because my dad was physically abusive. Um, when I was a kid. And there were times when I when I was guided back into those those moments, those memories, where I was actually able to see Jesus almost in uh, Via Dolorosa as he was going to Golgotha, right? Mm-hmm. As he was going to Calvary. Taking it for me as my dad was dishing it. That's powerful. Because knowing that he took that means that I wasn't alone in that moment. Right, amen. Means that you weren't alone in that moment. Right. Or if it was a word or things that were repeatedly said, you know, you won't amount to anything. You can't speak. Um, what have you? One per- one person that I know that is a perfect example of that. Um, way back when, when she was a bank teller, she was in charge of money. That was the last kind of job that she wanted. Was not great at that and all that. And was overcoming the fact of how people look at her and, and such. And the Lord was trying to teach her, you need to overcome this. You need to overcome this. It doesn't matter what people think about you. Do your job. And she's been at that point where, you know, that um, as she continued moving forward and overcoming, and then when uh, maybe the boss would yell at her, or for whatever reason, whatever, you know, ridiculous reason, uh, if the boss would yell, then she would notice. This doesn't bother me. I'm taking it. But it doesn't bother me. Exactly. And it would be a while back, it's like, wait a minute, when she yelled at me, when my boss yelled at me, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel like insecure about it. It was gone. Mm-hmm. That kind of freedom. That's what we want to walk in and like, oh, wow, this doesn't bother me anymore. The enemy doesn't have a hold on me anymore on this. And that's freedom. Because, and in freedom, we have the, that moment of choice. We have that space to choose whether we're going to react or respond. And that's part of what it is to be human. Is that realization that we have the power. We have the right to... Okay. What am I going to do here? Even in very fluid situations. And you can choose whether you're going to react. Or you're going to respond and just kind of let things go Mm -hmm. so there so we we have remembered we've invited the lord into it we've seen him there and you know it could be that he's off to the side but he's like in the situation Mm -hmm. um in that uh in the role play. Yeah. And we may we may do a role play of our own. 
at some point in the near future. Um, just to kind of show you guys what this actually looks like in practice. Okay. Because we think it's powerful. We think there's something really good to this. Anyway. So you've remembered, waited, uh, invited, waited, and then you can start to forgive. Not even just and, people, but yourself, too. And release, I, yeah. release the other person who harmed you, who victimized you, who said these nasty things about you. And then you can start to accept the truth of your love from God. Because usually these things keep us from sensing that at least in any kind of full way. Okay. So there's there's the right hand. And we may need to go back and forth between the hands mm -hmm. in the process. It and that's where discernment comes in. You got to figure out you got to allow the situation to be fluid. Because every situation is. Every time you're ministering to somebody or working with somebody it's fluid and you can't hold you can't hold a human being to a rigid set of steps it doesn't work no <laughs> okay so on to the left hand we've got curses so that's this person did x to me i hate them i want something bad to happen to that's a curse. Or when you agree with something that somebody said about you, it becomes a curse for you. So we can break our we can we can break those things. And in the power of Jesus in, in the power of the name of Jesus, we can. We can let that go. And that's that's a part of forgiveness, right? That's a part of letting whatever that situation is that hurt us so deeply go and releasing that person to the Lord releasing ourselves to the Lord for our reactions to others who did similar things or how we chose to internalize it because for me it was usually that I internalized things mm. I just okay and I would shut down and then after so long, I would blow up. And then I'd shut down again. That's, that's not a way to live. That's when it, you know, that's when the color palette turns to grayscale instead of being beautiful. Not that grayscale can't be beautiful, but you get my point, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. And so you break the curses. Uh, then you then you start to break the agreements. That's that's where you partnered with whatever the other person said or the spirit behind what they did. Or the the contact that you made in the spirit in the spiritual realm with something that promised help mm. in that in that scenario mm -hmm. like there was a an example and it wasn't necessarily in the two hands model but in one of the other models that I have studied recently um, where this guy as a kid, had been abused and he just called out for help as you know like a five or six year old and this entity responded and said I'll help you I'll comfort you in fact it went by the name comfort that's twisted ain't it mm -hmm. ain't it so he 
began this relationship with comfort, which is a demon in this case, okay? And by the time he sought healing, by the time he sought deliverance, comfort had basically destroyed his life. Mm. Because whenever you're dealing with something on the dark side, they always require something of you in order to help you. Everything has a price. Everything has a price. So when you're when you're dealing with that, and it's hard, especially as a kid, and you're you're freaking out, you're hurting, you're you don't know what to do. So you just toss up a Hail Mary, figuratively speaking. <laughs> not not bagging on Catholics here. Um, though, anyway, I, no, I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> though, yeah, in with this particular guy, he he had he was struggling so much in just regular function. By the time he by the time he sought out healing, that he almost couldn't leave his house like it was that bad mm-hmm. because the demon had required that much of him and by the end of his session they got down to the bottom of it and when you when you get rid of the emotional garbage that give that removes what it is that the de- that these entities have to hold on to especially if you're a believer because if you're a believer, they can't actually touch your heart. They can touch everything around it, but they can't enter in because Jesus is there. And the name, the name of Jesus is incredibly powerful, you guys. They can't stand that name. I hate it. And it think of that moment in The Lord of the Rings when they put the elvish rope on Gollum. Mm. Remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Early in Two Towers, when yeah. when they catch him slinking around, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he's like, "It burns us." It and that's what the blood does to them because that's forgiveness, that's love, and demons don't do love. They can't do love. They can give a facsimile of it, but it costs, like we were saying. And we can't afford that cost. It will slowly destroy us. So that's why deliverance matters. That's why inner healing matters. That's why we need to get a get a grasp on this. Because when we do, the freedom and the abundant life that we were promised becomes more of a possibility. Okay, so we were talking about breaking agreements, which goes into covenants too. Uh, it's the same thing. An agreement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then after that, we. I can't, I can't remember what the ring finger is. Uh, soul ties. Oh, that that was soul ties. Okay, yeah. then then we deal with soul ties, and we explained what soul ties are. Earlier. Um, so that's basically breaking covenant with a person in our lives, whether currently or from the past. Any, yeah, anything like that. Um, and as I said, often that happens in the context of sexual relationships, because when we participate in those acts that should be relegated to marriage, by the way, um, we actually become one with whoever it is that we do it with. Whoever it is that we're making love with, we actually become one with them. And part of us becomes a part of them, and part of them becomes a part of us. That's the whole point of it. 
That is the so, whole point of it. And that's why... <laughs> that's why promiscuity... That's why hookup culture is so bad. So yeah. destructive. Because you're literally giving parts of yourself away. And, you're, and as you're hooking up with people, you're not only taking pizza a piece of them you're taking a piece of whoever else they've been with and who knows what that person was like or those people mm. so you know mm. that's that's the, the that's the sexual end right on the more familial end on the parents on the brothers on the whoever else that is platonic you know yeah um, it's and often it happens with parents sometimes the parent will be domineering and we just kind of go okay well they're right I can't do anything so whatever mommy says or whatever daddy says it must be right and I mean I've seen it in my own life I've seen it in the life of my wife I mean, when we first got married, she'd talk to her dad and then cry for a week. It was rough. Mm. And up until very recently, and to, to a certain extent even now, uh, whenever I talk to my dad, I just get drained. Uh, partially because the conversations would go on forever. Hours and hours. My wife can attest to this. Um, but just the, and like her dad is a long-term, uh, like 50 years he's been in the ministry. My dad, um, is an, I would call him an avid armchair theologian. <laughs> and both of them are deeply deeply invested we'll say with the religious spirit everything they say everything they do comes through that mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that with Ecclesia we are moving away from right we're trying to um, I, I say that I'm a uh, or I used to say that I was a recovering religiaholic churchaholic because there were times when I would when I'd literally be at church all day Sunday from like 7 in the morning until 9 o'clock at night. Partially because my dad was doing sound. <laughs> and at the time, my church, the church had three services. Now, he wasn't doing sound for all the services, but it just kind of made sense to hang out. Anyway, mm -hmm. so... And then we'd go to kinship meetings, which is basically ecclesia, but still cook, but still hooked in with the church system. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, think of it as a small, as a, well, supposed to be small group Bible study, but it winds up becoming mini church, and that's often how, at least in the Vineyard movement, new churches would get planted if a if a kinship grew to the point where the host couldn't handle the number of people there anymore, the they would usually go talk to the, or somebody would go talk to the pastor, and the pastor would talk to the, <clears throat> the, the hosts or facilitators and go, maybe you should plant a church. <laughs> um, I know that happened with my, with my aunt and uncle, and they, they never planted it. They, they're like, no, we'd rather split it. Um, because that just wasn't... They didn't feel called to be pastors in any kind of full-time way. Hmm. Um, but essentially, in essentially as facilitators, as hosts, they were. They were pastoring. I think, I think at one point there were 30 people in their kinship. Yeah, that's a small church. <laughs> mm. 
Um, anyway, and you know, that was 20, 25 years ago. Uh, anyway, I digress. So, soul ties. <laughs> and then the pinky is, Bring it uh, back yeah, um, and then the pinky is secrets. And then, yes, and then secrets. So, that's when, often when something bad happens, and or someone does something bad to you and goes, if you say anything about this, I'll hurt you or your family. And that often happens in the case of molestation, in the case of pedophilia, which is all too common in the church system, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the organization that my that my wife grew up in, it was basically a trafficking front. And several of the pastors who had been on staff over the years wound up in prison because of trafficking, because of molesting kids for years. I'm telling you. I'm just, it's just an oxymoron, I'm telling you. It's just, hmm. And then, and then as the victim, you agree with that and you keep the secret until you can't. So when we're dealing with those secrets, we let them out. We tell them. And they lose their power. And then whatever was holding on to those things, whatever uh, whatever demonic entities, their, their grip gets progressively looser. They have less and less influence because the garbage that they've been living with, that they've been clinging to as their stronghold, as their fortress in your life, is no longer there. So it goes from um, being a nice sticky goo for them to cling to easily to being a nice clean window. And, you know. (laughs) And their fingers start to slip. And they can't do as much because the things that empowered them are no longer there. So, that was a pretty, I, I think that was a pretty decent walkthrough. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I do say so myself. So, you guys. Very nice, Matthew. <laughs> so, you guys, I'm. I want to encourage you that there is freedom, there is wholeness, there is abundance of life in Jesus, and we have access to it because of what he did for us. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to be a Christian, to walk in freedom, to walk in wholeness, to walk unencumbered. Yeah, because all this is scriptural. All of all what these two hand models, these are scripturally based. Um, because we have um, we have to um, because with, remember when when it comes to every, every I'm not going to go into every detail, but I guarantee you that if you if we because we will we will give examples. Probably and this this one what we want to do next week is really kind of. Uh, give you the, the scriptural based evidence of this model and giving examples how we can apply it truly in the ecclesia um, atmosphere in the in, in the group context uh, but every one of these are um in scripture they're in scripture they they help us reflect what we deal with and so how we expose it and guys whenever whenever there's a specific passage given always look at the context around it always always we're not into proof texting here that uh that leads to problems has led to so many problems over the years 
So never proof text, never. <laughs> and the technical term for that is eisegesis. We want to exegete. Yeah. We want to take things in context and understand the literary context, understand the historical what, context. What was being said, what was going on, yeah. Because otherwise we take these moments and we transpose them into our lives and we don't really understand it because mm. as much as it's true that in the world as much as things change they stay the same because humans stay basically the same mm. we're still humans just as much as Moses, Noah, Adam Jesus well maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that last one because Jesus was God too uh, you know but we're all human beings. We all have our stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But the work of Jesus on the cross and the empty grave gives us a way out of the stuff. Gives us a way to be free. Gives us a way to be whole, to be healthy, to be what we were intended to be from, from square one. Yes. So, I, I want to end this with an encouragement. Yeah, we have our stuff, but there's there are ways to deal with it, and we don't need to be afraid of it. Like, to be honest, when I was younger, I actually feared my emotions. Because the only regular version of emotion that I saw was my bipolar dad. And his emotions were erratic at best. So, I'm, so I made an agreement. I made a covenant with myself that that kind of emotion, not for me. I'd rather be Spock. I'd rather be stoic. I'd rather be even keel all the time and let life be gray. Mm. Right? Rather than having the contrast of the, the whole rainbow. Not the broken rainbow, the whole rainbow. The God's, God's <laughs> rainbow. <clears throat> and so, yeah. That's the that's kind of the core of it you guys yeah and i through inner healing broke those covenants and learned how to move away from that from that lifestyle of well boring frankly because <laughs> it was boring and it was it was actually hard it was harder to stifle them than to actually Feel them. Mm. Like, we don't need to be afraid of it. Whether, like me, you had... <laughs> and on one hand, we had my dad, who in Star Trek parlance would be like a Klingon. Just emotions everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then we had mom, who we, joked, who we used to joke was Spock. Just <laughs> almost flat affect. Wow. So... It balanced out somehow, I think. But, yeah, I decided that I was going to be more like mom than dad because that kind of emotion looked dangerous. And, yeah, out-of-control emotion mm. or emotions when they're in the driver's seat, that is dangerous, guys. That's what leads to riots. That's what leads yeah. to, you know, Antifa, mm -hmm. BLM, mm -hmm. color revolution stuff, right? Yep where if people were actually taught how to think rather than just to live here you're right and be outraged at the drop of a hat about literally then they can live more balanced lives live and be productive there's nothing inherently wrong with emotion. Anyway, so 
the encouragement here is that you can be free. You can right. be whole. You can learn what it is to be healthy. Right. And all this goes back to authority. And mm -hmm. quick things I want to share real quick as encouragement. Um, because remember, when Jesus left, he said he'd send his helper. I'm just going to read that real quick. Um, from John uh, 16, uh, starting from uh, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Um, but I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And with Matthew, when Jesus was ascending, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, uh, verse 18, Jesus said and said, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, and so on and so forth. But basically saying that all has been given to me. It's given to you. Go. Go. The Holy Spirit is going to be upon you. He has given all, all of us, not just them. It was given to all. Those who believe were given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells with us. And this is a reminder for myself and Matthew that we, whatever stuff that we continue to deal with, that we apply it now. Absolutely. Amen. So, amen and amen. I think that is an excellent place to end. Yes, sir. Um, and thanks for watching, you guys. Thanks for listening. Yes. Um, you know, you can find us on Rumble, find us on YouTube, find us in your on your favorite podcast app. We're there. You can also find us on True Social at Caleb Meal at tech underscore freedom on Instagram at Caleb underscore meal on telegram at Matthew 76 by email outpouring underscore fellowship proton.me Caleb meal at outlook.com and as always the music is indie folk background by Kale productions uh, be sure to subscribe and follow and all this good stuff like the video download the podcast and please uh, reach out we want to hear from you we want to hear from you we want to start gaining relationships building you know building ecclesias building a community building a family in the name of yeshua hamashiach jesus the christ so and be sure if you like it and somebody needs to hear this please share the video share the podcast all right so guys shalom shalom be blessed <laughs>